Welcome to the Zero to Five Million Dollar Podcast. I'm Sean Fine, and I'm with my co-host, Ollie Whitfield. This show is brought to you by AutoClose, a vanilla soft company. Ollie, why don't you introduce today's guest and what we're going to be talking about today? Hey, what's up, everybody? So a couple of weeks ago, I was the guest, and we got to talk about our new affiliate and referral program, how it was built, all of the steps in between, the, the aim, um, and everything about how that comes to life. Now today, we're going to talk with Bryn Jones of PartnerStack, and he is basically the guy that built PartnerStack, how we are building our program. It's the foundation, it's the basis of everything that we're doing for this. So um, Bryn, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for coming on. Ollie, Sean, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's great to talk to you all. It's our pleasure. So um, I, before starting this initiative, I didn't really know a lot about partnerships, about affiliate referral agreements, anything of, of that sort. So I'm not sure how big this market was. So can you take us back to when you started PartnerStack? What was the world like? Was partnerships a huge thing? Were you really pioneering something here or, or was this a great idea and you did it better than everybody else? What happened? Yeah, so we started PartnerStack back in 2015 after having a conversation with the folks over at Shopify and the power of partnerships. And this was prior to Shopify going public. They explained that their big vision and the way that they were going to you know, dominate the market was actually by building their partner ecosystem. Um, and we took some of those first principles, applied off to Y Combinator, and it was off to the races. Uh, but when we went through Y Combinator uh, in summer 2015, we came out the other side and talked to a lot of investors and everyone kind of shrugged their shoulders when we talked about growth through partnerships. This was back in the day when direct sales was the primary way to go to market, which it still is. Um, but in some cases, we were really laughed out of the room. Uh, the thought that software companies could grow through partnerships, even though at the time 30% of new revenue was being done through partnerships, uh, wasn't understood at the board and executive level. And it didn't really catch on until about 2018 when we saw uh, software companies driving for more efficiency in the market. Um, and there's been an even greater surge in the last 12 to 18 months, uh, given the changes the global pandemic have had, um, you know, folks not getting on airplanes as much as they, as they used to and needing to rely on their partners uh, who were trusted sources of truth for customers. So that's very interesting. So you, you start off with um, PartnerStack and, and, and you, you know, the investors and everyone looking at you like, okay, well, you know, that's not the way to go. So how did you, in, I guess probably 2018, I mean, probably during the pandemic, you didn't have to do much education, but how did you early on, how were you able to educate the market that, you know, what, partners, partner, a partner program is essential to growing another revenue stream for your business? We actually just targeted early adopters that really bought into, um, you know, what was possible inside of partnerships. And these folks were generally in, you know, series B to series D software companies. Um, you know, some of those customers that we had back then have since gone public and have become incredibly yeah. successful. And we've been able to scale alongside them. Uh, but we were targeting folks that were early in their careers um, or were really viewed as maybe mavericks. Um, who were looking to really make a dent in their organization and, and, and get credited for it. It's one of the challenges in 2018 that a lot of people really had was, okay, so I like the idea of adding 30% incremental revenue to my you know, bottom line, um, but where do I start? And um, you know, instead of just going out and educating the entire market, we just really worked very, very intimately with um, some folks that uh, really believed in the vision of what was there uh, because I'm a big believer and you need to build um, some substance before you add sizzle. And, um, and so we wanted to have some case studies when we came out to market and, and give examples of people 
that had been that had driven revenue inside their organization, but had also, you know, significantly advanced their careers as a result of their commitment to partnerships. And we were able to do that. Um, you know, for example, Elena over at Intuit um, really changed things at Intuit from a partnership lens. And that was yeah. Intuit was an incredible organization, very large. Um, and, and the work that she did there was 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 unbelievable. But there are other examples like folks over at Unbounce um, and, and, and smaller um, organizations as, as well that we went and worked with. So we wanted to have substance before we added the sizzle. And what we're seeing now is we're adding some of that sizzle. Got it. And this is a, little, this is a question that kind of just came to mind. So is there a difference in the target market that you guys really had early on as, as clients? So for example, you mentioned some clients, but were you saying it'd be more smaller business at the beginning that we're signing up for partner stack? Cause I, I, I mean, we, we now use it and I know there's a ton of larger companies use it, but was it early on small business and it kind of transitioned to more SMB to enterprise or who, where was that sweet spot then? And maybe what is that now? Yeah. Day one partner stack is we would work with whoever would work with us. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. and, and generally that was SMB customers who are still figuring out product yeah. market fit. Um, the initial version of partner stack was just get listed in this yeah. marketplace. We actually view ourselves very much so like a product hunt. Um, but we quickly found that um, the challenge with just getting listed in a marketplace was software companies didn't have that technical infrastructure even to work with partners. Yep. And an example of this would be like, if you were to hire a salesperson or a marketing, marketing executive, you need to give them um, you know, access to email and to your Slack at the very least, along with the, you know, two dozen other applications that they need um, available. In partnerships, there is nothing. There's no technical infrastructure for these software vendors to go and work with these, with these partners. Um, so day one partner stack looked very different. And our, our target customer back then was largely SMBs. And now our target customer is largely actually mid-market companies um, and SMBs that are really scaling in an efficient way. Um, but we work with folks that are, you know, we've had success with people that are four people companies all the way up to companies that are, you know, now worth more than a hundred billion dollars and publicly traded. Um, what's interesting is the similarities that exist in the pain points that they all have. I would love to know, Brent. So when you started off with potentially any size of company, what types of roles were you talking to? I could imagine anything from CEO to the sales lead to a marketer who got a project to go and execute on first now, especially at these mid-market or upper stream companies. You're most likely running into heads of partnerships or VP strategic partnerships, very specific teams with built out people to do this alone. What was What's the difference now? Yeah, so in the last six years, the biggest change inside of partnerships and the folks that we were talking to initially in 2015 we were going and talking to partnerships folks um, and those partnership people were under the sales organization. And the problem with that is that there was competing incentives, right? If I'm the, the CRO or VP of sales, I want to make sure that my sales team's paid as much as I possibly can. It's going to help me recruit people. It's going to help me really go and hit my numbers. So, you know, if I'm the VP of sales, I'm overseeing both partnerships as well as direct sales, I'm going to, you know, calibrate more toward the direct sales. Um, and it was in 2018 when we saw that transition in the market of like an, a, an uptick in adoption where partnerships moved from under sales organizations to into marketing organizations. Um, and what's happened in the last, you know, 18 months is that partnerships has now moved from under marketing increasingly to its own standalone part in an organization where it reports directly into the CRO alongside 
uh, sales, marketing, you know, in some cases success and, and now partnerships. Um, and so, you know, the, the people that we were talking to back then often carried, you know, names like marketing or, you know, community yeah. managers. Um, now those marketing community managers, partnerships folks actually sit under the partnerships organization. Yeah. And it's been really interesting to watch the org change and evolve. Um, and I think that in order for us to take that next step and really accelerate, excuse me, accelerate, uh, you know, the opportunity that's inside of partnerships is they will be standalone functions inside of every organization. Yeah. Um, and there will be standard job descriptions with standard compensation models. Um, and if we're going to, you know, our responsibility as partner stack is to educate the market on how to go in and do that. Uh, because people want to know, they want to have that common language. Um, it's just very hard to go in and, and, and do, but um, th that, that's what I think will take us to this next step. Yeah. And it's funny you say that because um, I've, I've noticed a lot of companies now, well, a few years ago, never had partner in any job title at their organization. And now you keep seeing it more and more and more that people actually have a partner manager. And, and what I, what I tell people is, you know, starting a partner program is like starting a business from scratch. It's, it's not just, you go in, you jump in, you run, you have to, you have to build out those relationships, those networks, et cetera, to make that work. So that's very interesting. Um, but what I do want to ask you now is uh, you guys had some exciting news in the last few months and uh, maybe just tell um, the audience about those, um, your latest round of funding. Yeah, we were super fortunate to meet an incredible partner in 3L um, and, and bring other folks along um, um, from HarborVest and, and, and Whitecap and RRE, our existing partners. Uh, but we just came out and closed our, our, our Series B in Q2 of, of, of 2021. Um, we're able to close a very healthy round of you know, $29 million into the business, which we now get to deploy and really invest strongly in the technology. Um, yeah. We recognize that growth is so important, but without that, you know, underlying technology layer, uh, you just end up building a sales organization and, 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 and sales organizations are great. They're so important. Uh, but, um, you know, it's important that that sales organization actually has a foundation of something that they can sell. And so we're investing heavily into the technology to improve the platform to support, you know, everybody from SMB all the way to companies that have gone an IPO and are scaling quickly uh, because we're seeing the demand that people need efficient growth. Yep. And partnerships is the most efficient way to get global distribution. You don't need to carry headcount in multiple countries. You don't need to have that office expense. You can work through third-party partners that understand and can meet your customers on their terms. And, um, you know, we're just excited to be contributing in a significant way uh, to that. So uh, let's go back a little bit. Between being anybody, everybody, that early stage, we need customers level to now series B we're on this on this trajectory what started to really work like you said I think everyone defaults to we're going to do direct sales we're going to try a bit of SEO and other stuff you obviously as a partnership platform drinking your own champagne as well but what like what really kick-started this this train moving yeah I think that the big thing that kick-started the 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 train moving was um I, I actually don't think that there's like many secrets. It was just like a lot of hard work working directly yeah. with our customers and understanding that, you know, one of the biggest challenges inside of partnerships is that um, people often think of partnerships as, as a way to, to build one-on-one -on -one relationships and partnerships is actually a pipeline uh, at the top of the pipeline or, you know, is, is a funnel. And then into the pipeline, you try to open the funnel as much as you possibly can to bring in as many partners as you can and then you, you know, optimize their experience and, and move them through the pipeline. 
Um, so once you uh, recruit a partner um, or acquire a partner, what are you doing to improve engagement um, throughout that cycle? And early days partner stack, we didn't understand that. And the way you actually do that is you automate many of the relationships that take all the heavy work. I remember talking to a partnership leader and um, he was describing his weekends was spent reviewing partnership applications all weekend long. He's like, Bryn, like I'm working, you know, 10 hours on Saturday and Sunday to just get through the applications, right? Like you're talking 15 to 20 hours a week just to review applications. Maybe one of the least value add things that you can do as a partnership manager. You would much rather be um, doing something to, you know, train your partners or engage your highest in, or, uh, or, you know, be working directly with your um, partners that are driving you the most revenue. Um, and so we recognized, and, and what really changed things for PartnerStack was that there needs to be an automation of the partnership management um, experience. And if you can automate the partnership experience, you can actually improve that partner experience. So one of our biggest measures on our platform, you know, of course, we love our vendors and software companies like you all that, that we go in and work with. But the primary focus for our um, engineering design and product team is improving our partner net promoter score. And so we know that like what actually works on, 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 on that pace and the focus and obsession that we have on that partner experience that results in us having to do a lot of counterintuitive things like automate much of that experience. Um, um, but that's the stuff that really drove things forward in the companies we saw leveraging and, and buying into our methodology were incredibly successful. And so working very closely with those companies versus just trying to be everything for everyone um, was really what pushed us over the edge. Got it. So one of my favorite questions, mistakes. Um, we've, we've, we've had one person come on and, and all had, well, everyone has always a lot of mistakes, but I'd love to hear one or two mistakes that really stood out to you. Um, every founder, every company has them. Um, maybe let the audience know uh, some that um, you went through. Yeah, I think that the biggest one is to have an obsession around your core product. It is so easy to say yes to revenue. And it is the hardest thing to do to, you know, watch watch a customer leave um, or you not be able to take, take advantage of an opportunity that's going to help you grow. Because, you know, growth is the lifeblood of a startup. Saying no to growth is very counterintuitive. And so there's some examples where we had to, and we're working very closely with some very large enterprise customers and had to walk away from, um, you know, six figure contracts um, um, because it wasn't working for us. It was not, it was, it was better that we just call it out. Um, they wanted to go a path that was highly customized. We recognize that, um, you know, highly custom platforms work, they scale. There's lots of very successful companies built for it. But if we were going to go down that path, we weren't going to be able to build and actually improve that partnership experience. So um, we said yes to um, six-figure contracts that we then had to say no to. Um, and that's a very hard conversation oh, yeah. to have. But if you're willing to go to the customer and tell them, hey, you know, we thought we could go and do this. This is not something that we can do. What we've learned is that it's an incredible opportunity to build trust. And in the case where we went and did this, um, we were able to actually retain the customer on our terms and have actually expanded that account so that it's even bigger than what it would have otherwise been. Amazing. Um, so, um, but in the moment, you know, you get those like night sweats, that's for sure. <laughs> um, and then another example um, of, of that is, um, you know, really understanding that um, 
technology is a people game um, and you need to really recruit the right people onto, into your organization. And those people need to be very much so in line with your values. Uh, whenever we've gone outside of hiring people that aren't in line with our values, um, you know, it always leads to problems. Um, and I think that uh, the, the, the challenge inside of that is being able to have really frank conversations and understanding that the most empathetic thing that you can do is, is provide feedback to, to people that are um, not working out um, yeah. because it's, it's, it's only fair to them. Very easy thing to say, very hard thing to actually do, especially when you're scaling up with new managers and everything. You know what? I was going to ask a different question for him, but you just said something there. So sometimes we've asked guests, what's like their five points of criteria for hiring a salesperson or marketer, whatever it may be, what would be yours for a partner manager? What's the like five key things or however many? Um, yeah, I definitely measure, I try to stick to my, my rule of three. Um, it's just uh, easier for my, my, easy, my easy brain. Um, the one value that we have company-wide, whether it's a partner manager or whether it's you know, somebody that joins PartnerStack that I hold to be incredibly important is uh, the capacity to be vulnerable. And when I mean vulnerability, I mean, you know, the, the ability to talk about anything, but also, you know, one of the biggest acts of vulnerability is to be able to receive feedback. Um, people that are vulnerable understand that it's, it's, it's harder to receive feedback, or sorry, it's harder to give feedback than it is to in fact receive it. Um, and so um, vulnerability uh, is, is in, in, in incredibly important. You know, um, hiring people that have a tendency to act and do um, is also very important. Yeah. Strategy is great. Uh, but you need to execute on that strategy because it's those lessons um, that really that really uh, push things forward. And then the last point is uh, we have a, a value in, inside of partnerships. I think it's incredibly important is relentless learning. Um, you have to be obsessed with learning and um, it's those lessons in, in that type of framework um, that you understand that, you know, you fall in love with the process um, and, and, and that's ultimately how you, you, you get like the best outcomes for what ends up being there. Those are the three things that I look to hire in anybody that's there. Um, um, there's also uh, much more uh, tactical things that are there. Um, so to answer your question, to be more specific inside of partnerships, I look for people that have like a BDR background. Some that comes from both marketing and sales understands funnels and pipelines. Um, partnerships is not a one-to-one -one relationship. Uh, it can grow to that. Uh, but somebody that understands that you need both of those skill sets and it's an incredibly hard role to go in and, and fill. Yeah. Well, let's wrap things up. But before we do, one last question for you. Um, how do you self-educate yourself? Do you listen to any podcasts? Do you read any books? And if so, which is your favorite? And then just let the audience know uh, where they can find you. I'm assuming LinkedIn, but anywhere else, just let them know. Yeah, so um, I definitely read books. I definitely listen to podcasts, probably all the same that everyone else does. The most valuable way I have learned to self-educate myself is through one-on-one -on -one peer sessions with people that are outside of my company. Um, I develop very close relationships with um, select groups of founders and even coaches that push me to think in a different way. The challenge that I find with podcasts and um, books is they often repeat the same thing um, and everyone's reading the exact same thing. What's great in these one-to-one -one relationships and these, these you know, working groups that you have, whether it be with coaches or with you know, peers, um, is you learn in the moment what the market is doing. And you can learn something very tactical or you can talk about something very strategic. Uh, and, and the biggest lesson that I've learned is that so much of it is actually self-managing emotions uh, and, 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 and trying to, you know, just move beyond fear. 
Um, and then lastly, I mean, people can reach out to me directly, uh, Bryn at partnerstack.com, reach out to me through email, um, come check us out at partnerstack.com or connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm always happy to talk about partnerships. Um, I think there's like so much opportunity in this space and anything that I can do to support or feedback I can provide, I'm happy to jump in with. Yeah. And that's yeah, the audience for everyone listening. Uh, we actually just joined Partnerstack. So definitely uh, check out Partnerstack. We are one of their clients now. Um, thank you for joining us, Bryn. This has been an absolute blast. And thank you also to everybody listening here today from wherever you are listening from in the world. If you enjoyed the show today, don't forget to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening from and subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. Thanks again, Bryn, and see you guys soon.